Good morning. You know, as I'm, as I'm uh, sitting down here on the front row watching my wife, I'm thinking two things. I'm thinking, man, she is hot. I love that woman. And then the second thing I'm thinking is you're digging into my preaching time. <laughs> uh, now, I'm quite certain there's uh, something you're thinking as well as you're sitting there. I thought we were done with that guy. <laughs> I thought when we called a pastor. Uh, Dennis, thanks for uh, putting to rest the rumor that I locked Bruno in a closet so I could preach. Uh, that is not true. <laughs> oh, it's, just good. it's good to be here. I appreciate Bruno uh, asking me to stand in today. And I've just so appreciated him and getting to know him. Uh, my name is Stephen Salvis. I'm one of the elders here, for those of you who don't know me. Uh, welcome to Grace Church. Thank you uh, for being here today. For the past two weeks, uh, Pastor Bruno has uh, been preaching through a series that he is calling, We Are Grace Church. And it was uh, two weeks ago that uh, his sermon title was, We Are Priceless. Last week, as my wife mentioned, uh, he preached a message entitled, We Are Influencers. Today, we're in Ephesians chapter 2. And the title of the message is, We Are his masterpiece. We are his masterpiece. Ephesians chapter 2, if you would turn there, and if you're using the Bible under the seat in front of you, it's on page 977. 977 in the Bible under the seat in front of you. Ephesians chapter 2. And I'll be reading verses 1 through 10. The Bible says this. I'm reading from the King James. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great Love wherewith he loved us. Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace you are saved. And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. 
For by grace are ye saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Let's bow our heads and pray, please. Lord, thank you so much for the morning. Thank you so much for your people. You knew who would be here this morning, Lord. You uh, knew who would be sitting where they're sitting right now. Perhaps because they need to hear this particular message. And surely we all do. So, please, may your Holy Spirit move among us this morning. Please, Lord, give us ears to hear. Keep us from distraction, please. There is much going on, Lord. Keep us from distraction. May we hear you speak, Lord. Give us understanding. Oh, thank you, thank you. Thank you for grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, in verse 1 of chapter 2 in Ephesians, the King James actually starts out and says, and you hath he quickened. That phrase, hath he quickened, if you have a King James Bible in front of you, that is in italics. And that's because it's actually not there. The translators borrowed it from verse 5. So we'll get to that in a couple verses from now. Literally, verse 1 says, and you who were dead in trespasses and sins. Paul writes, you, you, Christian, in the church at Ephesus, you were once dead. That is, spiritually dead. You were alive physically, but you were dead spiritually. To be spiritually dead is to be separated from God. That describes every one of us here this morning at one time in our lives, if not still today. There was a time when all of us were separated from God because of our trespasses and our sins. The word trespass, you can imagine the definition of trespass. It means to cross a line or a boundary. 
It refers to a particular sin. There is a line that is drawn. On one side is obedience. On the other side is a trespass. When you cross that line, you've crossed into a trespass. I want you to notice that word is plural in verse 1. It's not singular. We were dead in our trespasses, Paul says. We continually cross that line into disobedience. It's a constant thing. The word sin, you know this, it means to miss the mark. The heart is corrupted. The wages of sin is death, the Bible says. You were spiritually dead at that time. Both trespasses and sins are deliberate acts against God. And you were, Paul writes, dead. You were once dead, spiritually dead, in your trespasses and sins. Can I point out that particular word, were? Past tense. Praise God. Praise God, past tense, for the saved. That was in the past. You were once dead. Paul continues in verses 2 and 3, talking about what we once were. Look at verse 2. Wherein, in time past... You walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. In time past, during that time when you were spiritually dead, you walked a certain way. Your manner of living was a certain way. That was a time when you followed after three things. Unsaved people Follow after, according to Paul, in his letter to the church at Ephesus under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Unsaved people follow after these three things. Number one, found in verse two, the ways of this world, the course of this world. You followed after the lifestyle of other unbelievers. Can I tell you I'm deeply concerned today for our young people? 
There is so much pressure on young people to conform to the world. The pressure to look and to be cool. The pressure to not just tolerate sin, but accept it. Our young people are being influenced by social media and music and movies. And as, by the way, that's not just young people. If you watch TV, you're being influenced by the world. As Christian parents and leaders in the church, we need to fight this influence. We have an enemy. We need to be pointing our children to the word of God and to heroes of the faith. Rather than to pop culture and the ways of the world. Secondly, unsaved people follow after the prince of the power of the air. Again, verse 2. This is Satan. There was a time when, when, when Satan accused men before the Lord. Job chapter 1. There was a time when Satan had an audience with God and accused men on earth. But when Jesus ascended to heaven after his resurrection from the dead, Satan was cast out of heaven for good. Revelation chapter 12. So today, Satan's domain, his, his area of influence where he rules is that area, all of that area that falls between heaven and earth. That whole region that Paul refers to here as the air. What falls between heaven and earth. Satan is the prince. It's his Verse 2 continues to describe Satan as a spirit. He's unseen, who today works in the children of disobedience. Ever since Adam sinned in the Garden of Eden, unsaved people have been characterized by a life of disobedience. That's what that phrase means children of disobedience. Then verse 3, among whom we also had our conversation. So suddenly Paul changes from verse 1, you, and he begins to speak in the first person plural, we. He includes himself here. Among whom we also had our conversation. I'm not just writing about you I'm including myself in all of this as well. Conversation, by the way, in the King James refers to their behavior. As, unseen, uh, as unsaved people, their behavior was driven by their passions. That's what the ESV says. 
And so, number three, the unsaved people follow after the desires and thoughts of the flesh. They're driven by what their flesh wants, by what their mind wants, by their selfish desires. The phrase children of wrath, by the way, is children who are deserving of wrath in verse 3. They're deserving of wrath. Now, in contrast to what we were in the past, verses 1 through 3, in contrast to what we were in the past, verses 4 through 6 describe what God has done and is doing in us today. Verse 4, but God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace you are saved. And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You were once dead in trespasses and sins, but God is rich in mercy. <laughs> How rich. I love I love this verse. I love these verses. Lamentations 3, 22 and 23. How rich is God's mercy. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They, his mercies, are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness, God. Great is thy faithfulness. His mercies are new. You know what? When you wake up every morning, there's a new bucket of mercy filled to the top. It's a bottomless bucket. You can't outspend it. You can't outspend it. That's God's mercy every morning. Praise God. God's love, verse 4, is so great. For you. you know, I know people, there may, there may be people here this morning, I know people who struggle with self-acceptance and even self-hate. Do you know how much God loves you? Do you know the creator of the universe loves you? If you are not a Christian, he loves you enough to send his only son to die on a cross for you so that you would no longer be separated from him. That's how much he loves you. And if you are a Christian... Look what Paul has to say in Romans chapter 8. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels nor principalities, nor powers nor things present, nor things to come, nor height nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. God loves 
you. Higher than the highest height, deeper than the deepest seas, he loves you. He loves you. Be encouraged in that. We talked about three things. Three things that the unsaved follow after in the first three verses. How about three things God's great love has done in us? God's great love has made us alive with Christ. Verse uh, 5, even when we were dead in sins, God hath quickened us, the King James says, hath quickened That means God has made us alive. We were dead at one time. But God has made us alive in Christ. In our unsaved condition, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. But God has made us alive in our union with Christ. That's an act of grace. It's an act of grace. That's why at the end of verse 5, that's parenthetical there. By grace are you saved. Just a reminder, by grace are you saved. It's an act of his grace. Secondly, God's great love has raised us up with Christ. Positionally, as believers, we are already risen with Christ in his resurrection. This position calls us to live a life that is holy and pleasing to God. Look what Colossians chapter 3 says. If ye then be risen with Christ, if you are a Christian, then you are risen with Christ. Seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth at the right hand of God. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. Number three, God's great love has seated us with him in heaven. Already, we're already there, positionally. As a saved follower of Jesus Christ, you are positionally seated with God in heaven where your citizenship now is. Philippians 3.20, for our citizenship is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Why has God done all of this? Look in verse 7. Here's the answer to the why. That in the ages to come, he that is God might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. What's that mean? <laughs> What's that mean? I'll tell you. As a receiver of the grace of God, you will be an eternal display of his grace. The church of Jesus Christ, John MacArthur said, the church of Jesus Christ is to be an eternal demonstration of the grace of God to the world. 
People should see you, and instead of seeing a first place trophy for softball champions, they should see grace. Not grace, church. They should see all over you God's grace. You are an eternal display of God's grace to the world. What are they seeing in you today? Look at verses 8 and 9. Listen, you know these. You know these verses. You probably have them memorized. Verses 8 and 9. For by grace are ye saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. It is by God's grace that we're saved through faith. Now that through faith is by means of faith. I'm not a saved on account of my faith or as a result of my faith. I'm saved by the means of faith. Faith is not the cause of my salvation. If it were, then I'd have something to do with it. And I don't. It's by God's grace alone that I'm saved through faith. I don't have to work for it. So we have to believe it. That's the channel. Faith is simply the channel through which salvation comes. Oh, and that, that's not of yourselves. You get no credit for it. This is, it's referring to salvation here. This salvation is not of you. You get no credit for this. Salvation is not of your own doing. It's the free gift of God to you. There's nothing you can do to earn salvation. Nothing. It cannot be obtained by works. And oh, by the way, faith is not a work. Good works are the result of salvation, not the cause of salvation. That's in verse 10. We'll get there in a minute. Verse 9 ends, lest any man should boast. Hear me. Hear me. There will be no boasters in heaven. There will be no boasters in heaven. No one in heaven will be able to say, I earned my way here. Look at me, pat me on the back. I'm here, and it was of my own doing. No one. Only God will receive the glory because of his marvelous and amazing grace. David, thanks for being here. I'm glad to hear your voice. You know that? Ah, uh, look at verse 10. Just the beginning of verse 10. Because I love this. This is where we get the title of our message. This is where we get the title. For we are his workmanship. Now, I want to start with that word for. 
At the beginning of the verse, Paul uses the word for to tell why salvation is not by works. This is why salvation is not by works. Because we are his workmanship. We didn't make ourselves into what we are as believers. This is all God's work in us and through us. The New Living Translation. Anybody have New Living Translation in the room? The New Living Translation translates the beginning of verse 10 to say this, for we are God's masterpiece. That's where we get the title of the message. Listen, hear me again. Paul's not talking about the physical creation here. He's not talking about every man, woman, and child walking on the face of the earth. When you look at anyone just walking down the street, don't look and say, boy, look at God's masterpiece. They're only God's masterpiece if they are complete in him through salvation, by God's grace, through faith. He's referring to the Christian here. He's referring to those who are saved by his grace. If you are saved, then you are complete, and you are therefore God's masterpiece. And he's continually doing a work in you. The word translated workmanship is right here. Poema. Poema. The Greek word that's translated workmanship. It means handiwork. A thing of his making. A work of art. What God has done in you is a work of art. I want you to look at this word closely. That looked like an English word you know. Oh, nice. Poem. This is the Greek word from which we get our word poem. You are God's poem to the world. You are a poetic masterpiece. What does the world see in you? Do they see poetry? I'm not talking about poetry in motion. I'm not talking about athleticism. Do they see poetry? Do, when, you, when you think of poetry, you just think of something beautiful and rhyming and rhythmic and it just kind of flows off the tongue. Is that what we are to the world? Is that what people see in us? Are you God's masterpiece? Do, the, do people see God's handiwork in you? Look at the remainder of verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained 
that we should walk in them. Created by God to do good works. You are not saved by good works. You are saved to do good works. God wants to use you in the world, using your gifts to serve him in the world and make a difference in the lives of others, drawing them to Jesus Christ and making them the masterpiece that you already are in Christ. That's what he wants from you. What I like here is this. This is a contrast to the unsaved person in verse 3 who's following after the, the desires of the flesh and the mind. If you're truly saved by God's grace, your salvation will manifest itself by the conduct of your life. And people will see it. So we must be walking in good works. That should be the conduct of my life. Walking in good works. Not to be saved, but because we are saved. You, saved one, are God's masterpiece. How are you reflecting that into the world? What good works do people see in you that may draw them to Christ? And oh, oh, you, unsaved one, the Bible calls you spiritually dead. You are a living dead man. Won't you know God's grace? Maybe you know it in your head. But you've never claimed it in your heart and received it. Faith is the means. Faith is the means. Let's bow our heads and pray. Lord, thank you for, for your word. Thank you for your love. Oh, God, I'm so overwhelmed by your love for us. That you would send your son to die on the cross for me, for us. There are people dying today on their way to hell. Give us a burden for those people, Lord. May they see your handiwork in us. And may they be drawn to that through faith and be saved. Oh, God, may we reach 
our world, our corner of the world for Christ. And I pray, Lord, I pray that if, any, if there is anyone here this morning who does not know you as their personal Savior, and Lord, please, please may today be the day. Give them the courage to come forward and speak to Dennis, to me, to Matt, to Jack, to Bill, to someone and express their need for a Savior. May today be the day. And now, Lord, bless us as we go. Bless this day. Give us eyes throughout the week to recognize opportunities to serve you and to reach others. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, and you are dismissed.